0: Got the ghost let's get back to crazy Jimmy. We got myself wanna be the one all, new We'll take you out to Jimmy Stars. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the
1: Jimmy Star show with Ron Russell, bringing you the good times in music, fashion, pop, culture, and entertainment. We got a great show for you guys today. Um, but uh Ron is not here at the moment, but he'll be here in a minute. He's still getting ready, and I hope everybody had a great weekend. We're going to have a really fun show with you guys today. Uh, we have two great guests. We have Emmy winner Bill Oberst Jr. coming on the show, and we also have uh, fitness guru extraordinaire. I don't exactly know what to say. Linda Steele coming on the show. Uh, she's fabulous, and uh, and she has a brand-new book coming out called Nerves of Steel. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to fix my light a little bit and go a little bit lighter And see if that looks better. So I hope everybody's good. We had a great weekend. Uh, We went to the Mahal Brothers Bermuda Island premiere on Friday night. We saw a lot of cool people. And uh, the movie was okay. And we saw a lot of friends. Here comes Ron now. uh, Walking in. Yes.
2: (laughs) I was was enjoying the sun.
1: We are on the air. So here comes Ron, you guys. We're on
2: the air. How do you like that? I was outside enjoying the sunshine because we've had... Such terrible weather here. It was cold and raining, and I sort of dozed off with my little poochie in my arms. My little Astro was in my lap, and I dozed off.
1: Um, so we want to say welcome sorry, to the sorry, chat room. What's late. up, chat room? The chat room is just starting to get people in it. What Cindy Lady Lake is there? Hello, Cindy. Hi Cindy how how are you? My little boy wants to come uh, up. Astro that, come wants to come up, and he
2: uh... doesn't leave me alone. So
1: I was telling everybody
2: we fell asleep together on the lounge out in the patio.
1: (laughs) So I told uh, everybody that we went to the Mahal Brothers. Yes, Uh, Sarah French is in the movie, and Noel G and Tom Sizemore. we saw a lot of great friends there. Actually, we got to see Tommy Brunswick from uh, the last week's show, actually live. You know, we got to meet her in person. We had a great time. She's really fun. She's a
2: very fun girl. She's a lot of laughs and, and up, she's a very up person. I enjoyed her. Right Astro didn't you We like saw her? Mike
1: Ferguson. I'm trying to think of who we saw in that one I,
2: I can't re- remember now that we like Ooh.
1: now that we, uh, we went to it and we're back. Oh, Courtney, Courtney Gale, the, the photographer, Young Zuck, and uh, Zach Jaden from Pop rap magazine,
2: Sherry uh, Davis, Sherry Davis, Who's in the film, who did a very good job, I must say. Um, it was just a fun party. And at the after party, we actually met,
1: um, oh, shoot, uh, the guy from The Sandlot. Uh, now, isn't that funny? I forgot his name, but okay, I'm, so I'm going to look it, it up. It's not
2: age. It's just busy. You know, we have so much going on right and now. Marty York. Marty
1: York right, from The Sandlot, right, you guys. Right. What a great movie.
2: Right now, I'm studying two scripts. I'm writing a book. We do this show, plus I write on Facebook every day. whoa. I think um
3: we think have I a lot of a cool rest. stuff going I, I'm on. I'm
2: looking forward to a vacation. I'm so hoping that Jimmy and I can go to Italy soon. I want to go to Italy.
1: Um yes. Oh wait, hold on. Uh-huh. So we met this really cool lady named Ruth that was there. Oh, Ruth was one And Galen Howard was there and he uh, was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um uh, also just... Robert Donovan, Al Burke, uh the tomato
2: my tomato.
4: The tomato
2: with Paul Gunn. Uh, that, that's Jennifer Hacksack. What was the last name? Um, Jennifer. Oh, God, I forgot. What an H. Uh, Jennifer. Oh, Jen, I'm sorry. Anyway,
1: we have Kimberly Boyden that came. The tomato. We call her the tomato. No, her name is um, – actually, she has a different name. Uh, her name
2: is Jennifer. Jennifer Hacksack or something.
1: No, no, but she goes by something else than that. That's she goes what I by fifty by. names. I know that's the one problem that I have, like remembering. So her I call her
2: the tomato, and now she's become the tomato, and, and everybody every, calls every, her everybody's that. calling her now the tomato. Back in my day, if you said, "Boy, she's a tomato," that was like the greatest compliment you could ever give a woman. Joanne Heckman. Joanne Heckman. Joanna Heckman. I, I, I was almost yell. there. I was almost there. Uh, a tomato was like, "Wow, she's really hot. She's sexy. She's a tomato." And she certainly is a tomato. And I love her. I enjoy her. She's up. She's fun. She's positive, And she's sort of dating Paul. Paul Gunn. Yeah. I wasn't going to use the last name, but that's okay. Everybody knows
1: now. They're kind of out. I think you added them, and so now they're out. I
2: outed them, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope they really get it going and become an item because they're a beautiful couple. They came to the premiere of the Moore Brothers film dressed like, wow, she looked like 1950 Kim Novak, and he looked like... Sonny Bono, when he used to be, would share and he wore all the animals and stuff. Absolutely. Didn't he look like 19, 1960? So they're very retro people. And I love retro because it brings me back to when I was a young boy. Right, Jimmy?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also, um, uh, they're just cool. You know what? They're just like totally cool. cool people. They're just cool and people. They're, and they're
2: really nice. They're not uh, Hollywood nuts. They're really nice people.
1: Um, also, we have uh, uh, who just joined us. B. Claudia just joined us. Hey, B. How are you, honey? Uh, B. Claudia is in Germany, you guys. I'm making little notes. Um, actually, Lady Lake and B. Claudia are both in there. Everybody likes my shirt. So my shirt, you guys, is a super vintage one-of-a-kind Jimmy Starr tattoo print shirt that I uh, – only kind of tattoo I've ever had is a tattoo print shirt, and this shirt's probably 20 years old. And uh, But I only – I kept a few Jimmy Starr shirts because I'm a little more conservative now, so I don't wear the wild stuff. But I thought today it would be fun since we have a, a huge uh, horror actor coming on who's also a huge in other things. But uh, he plays – got an Emmy for playing a serial killer on Criminal Minds, and uh, which is one of my favorite
2: shows. Um, and my shirt's a white shirt that I probably got at Kmart or somewhere. No, I don't shop Kmart. Where, where do you think I got this white shirt? It's nice. I think it's Ralph Lauren. I'm not sure. What is it? It's a nice one, too. I haven't worn this in years. I was digging in my... Who's it? uh I can't see. You can't see. That's an interesting night label. I never heard of it. No, P, D, and C. I don't know what that Who is. What the hell is P, D, and C? <laughs> anyway, it's a very comfortable cotton white shirt. And I, I found it in the back of my closet. Oh, smile I said,
1: real quick for B.
2: <laughs> I said, "What am I? What am I going to wear today?" You know, I wanted something. You know, since I was out in the garden in the sun, I wanted something summery. Even though it's not summer, I'm hoping. But then, when summer comes, it's 120. That's a little too hot. Desert. It's too hot. So I like the in between. But from like, um, let's say March till June, weather is magnificent here. Absolutely, because it's not hot. It's just perfect. The temperature's like eighty, dry, no rain, no wind. It's really nice.
1: Absolutely. So we, we like out
2: for that all year.
1: We have a lot of cool things coming up, you guys. We've got some movies we're working on. Yep. We have two of them that we can actually can at least tell you the titles of.
2: Should we talk about it?
1: Uh, we can't talk about who's in them because it's not ready. But you can say that we have a movie called Death House that Ron's going to be having a great role in that I'm Big producing,
2: part. and I play the father of a very very major movie star.
1: And, uh, and then we have... Which I'm
2: excited about because I happen to like this actor a lot.
1: Then we have Red River that we're going to be shooting after that.
2: And then I have a cameo part in. I thought it was a bigger part because I got it confused with a different script because I read so many. Uh, it's a small piece. I'm doing it for Jennifer because I love her. And Kim.
1: Going to be a good one, though, because that movie will have a theatrical release, so you guys will be able to go to theaters and see two movies. I have a very small part. We have two movies, though, that you'll be able to see in theaters, and things are moving forward on another film that Ron will be in. It's called My Porn Star Wife. We're still trying to negotiate with our lead uh, actress, but everything is going good with that, and it looks like uh, we'll probably be shooting it around September.
2: And then I'll be starring in Type O Negative. Type O Negative. Type O Negative. It's a vampire film, and I play... Uh, head the lead. Uh, that's, I'm a starring in that movie. Hello, hello, hallelujah for once. We also have The Curse of Magic. And The Curse film of Magic, of Magic be starring I'm starring in. and possibly with Lainey Kazan, playing my wife, if everything goes well with Lainey.
1: And we're working on a trilogy movie with uh, Eileen Shapiro, Jason Poncio, uh, Manny Blue, and Jeff Caperton, and it's called Dog Moon, and it's a werewolf horror movie trilogy, and Ron has a really good role in that one, too.
2: I think I play an FBI agent. I'm not sure I which one play, it I play, one it play I an FBI up. agent in some film, and then I play a cop in another film.
1: Now it's going to be fun. So the whole so thing. So a lot of
2: work for me, a lot. A lot of fun stuff coming up. And I wanted to make a point. When you get to be my age, do not think it's over. It's only over if you want it to be over. But if you want it to continue and to go on and on and on, it will because talent never gets old. Remember that talent only gets better with years. It's like fine wine. I am a far better actor now than I was when I was 19 years old. When I was 19 years old, I thought acting was acting and you acted. Now at this age, I know that acting is becoming and you become the character and you really don't have to act. And I don't act anymore. Now I become. So, to inspire you folks out there 82 is not the end absolutely not I may have 10 more years 15 more years to go and if I have my health and I stay as I am now I probably will be working in my 90s there you go so don't And there's up. Astro so don't, so don't give up folks Hi Astro look Come at on. the Come camera look the camera you're on camera honey you're stuck. Astro's going to be in one of my movies I have to have him in my movie cuz so I love him He's my buddy. He's my pal. He doesn't leave me alone for one minute. Oh, he doesn't kiss me all day long. Mm-hmm. And I don't complain.
1: <laughs> so real quick, you guys, I want to take a little music break because our first guest will be coming on in about five minutes. And uh, uh, and I, I like playing it. So we're going to play Stefano, uh, who will probably be coming back on the show mm. in the next couple of months because he's got a lot of stuff going on. And the name of the song is Over You. Uh, I really like this guy a lot. He's from American Idol. He was a guest on the show. So, yeah. Um, so here enjoy it all take it easy with Over You by Stefano
2: Yay,
0: Woohoo <laughs> <laughs> lonely mama, perfect fantasy i can't ignore it i live for it i can't look away girl you're on me now i can't get over you every time i try your love.
1: I know you guys. I love him to death. You uh, know, he's
2: not a shooting star, folks. He is a star. I think he's incredible. He's got such a voice, and his music is good. And uh, he's going to be like a very important person very soon. And,
1: uh,
4: Do you and think I think really well known.
2: No. You like it this way? Yeah, I like Isn't it. Kind of faggy looking? No. It's like a woman. No. Well, watch, look, watch. When I become a woman, look. <laughs> yeah, no, you got to a abroad. You look. No. Gonna, I think loud. I'm going to cut it more manly. Anyway, Anybody hold Anybody out there, what do you think? Should I cut it or what?
1: <laughs> you guys can take a look at it. Let us know or let us know on social media well, in, in real the, quick. No,
2: no, in the uh, chat room. What do you think? Uh,
1: they're, they're like, I don't know. They're all like typing shit. So hold on, you guys, because we're going to bring in our first guest. Let me just do a quick thing. You guys can listen to the show live, obviously, on W4CY.com. Um, Wednesdays from 12 to 2 or 3 to 5. Eastern Time, 12 to 2 Pacific Time. We're also on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, TuneIn, Pandora, Amazon Prime, and also in a bunch of other places, but those are the biggest ones everybody knows about. Now we're going to bring on our first guest, so let's see how it
4: goes. Hello, stranger. Hey. Hey, Bill. How you doing? Hey, Jimmy. Don't cut the hair, man. good. (laughs) I'm wrong. Don't cut it. You it's bountiful. Your hair is like bouncing and behaving. I got a
2: ball. You don't think I look like an old Jew from Forest Hills or something?
4: I'm so jealous. I want hair like yours.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think I look like one of my customers when I used to work in Forest Hills. My little Jewish ladies used to have their hair like this. Look, look how nice I that look. All is full false eyelashes and tits. You could take me out anywhere. It's <laughs> very nice. That's hilarious! P- false eyelashes and tits. Hang on,
1: I'm sending right. the false eyelashes
2: and tits will get you everything, right? So how uh, are almost you?
1: everything?
4: Well, almost let's introduce
1: a- you. Let's do an intro. Let's we do have an to introduction. Introduce you, Bill. All right, everybody. Now we want to welcome to the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell, who's back again. The amazing and amazingly talented Emmy winner Bill Oberst Jr. Hello and welcome back to the show! Yay. Yay!
2: I want to know all about what happened to you since we saw you in our Philadelphia uh, episode. <laughs> Well, a long time ago. Did I, you get married? Did it was October 2014. In? I looked it up this morning. So it's been six, oh, well, seven,
1: eight, nine years. Now, eight or
4: nine years. Now in
2: nine years, you could be married and divorced five times in Hollywood.
4: <laughs> I've been working hard. I have to work hard because I don't have tits or false eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> Try tits so, and false eyelashes. What have I got going on? I
2: got to work. You know what? If you put lashes on and tits, we might get more work because trends. Trainers- well, trainees today are very in. I've got very good friends of mine who are transsexuals, and they're working like crazy.
4: I would not be an attractive woman. No, <laughs>
2: well, that's okay. But you can could, you could play character parts. <laughs> yeah.
4: But I, I wore heels once. I played Abraham Lincoln for Abraham Lincoln versus Zombies. Right. And I'm like, I'm five nine, so they had me in these heels, supposedly the same ones Tom Cruise wears, almost a five inch lift. Right. And my feet were just, like, perpendicular. I do not know how people <laughs> who wear the high ball- heels do. Like a
2: ballerina.
4: <laughs> I was falling off of them.
1: Actually, so many, 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 many years
2: ago, Ron used to portray. I portrayed Jane Russell, believe it or, or not. He impersonated Jane Russell. I, I had a nightclub act that ran for years. Not in gay bars. I worked all the straight clubs. All, all, back, back in those days, we had what was called a supper club where people went for dinner and saw a show. It was a nightclub. Yeah. And I portrayed as Jane, I sang in my own voice, and I did stand-up comedy for many, many, many years. Hang
1: on, because I don't think we showed this to oh. Bill. Huh? Let me see if I can make it that he can see it. Oh, where's the cameras up here? So that's Ron as Jane Russell oh, uh, no. back in the day. And this is also, hold on, because this is his sexy one.
2: I love that picture.
1: <laughs> He's got boobs and everything. And the, and the funny thing about it is he impersonated her and then he became her best friend. And for they years, were best friends yes, for years, years before she died. We traveled she, together, we
2: hung out together, we were always together. Years, she liked uh, it. Oh, I love Jane. She was one of the nicest humans I've ever met. He said
1: she liked it. Did she like you in drag?
2: Uh, well, let's put it this way. I was showing her a picture of me in a bathtub, all sudsy and looking sexy, but I don't like the picture. And I showed it to her and I said, you know, I don't like this picture, I look like shit. And she said, "Oh, really?" She said, "I wish I could look that good." Because she, she was eighty-nine years old at the time, and I said, "Jane, I never thought the day would come when I would hear Jane Russell say she would like to look like me because I've worked so hard to look like her." It was a good act. It was a comedy act. I sang, I danced, I, I did songs. It went over really well, and it kept me. It supported me for many years when I couldn't get work. What did you make your boobs out of? I had a. I, I'm clever. I had a special corset made and it had metal rods that went underneath my pecs. And when you pull the strings, the rods went up and see what it did. See, it's happening under my shirt. <laughs> it gave me these enormous cleavage. And the beautiful part was well, if I did this or that, my boob would bounce. So when, when people came backstage to meet me, they'd say, where's Miss Russell? I'd say, there's no Miss Russell, there's only me, Ron Russell, they said, get out of here. You're not, her. you're like a tough guy. You're like a big man. I said, I am a big man. It's called acting. I said, I'm not a woman. I don't want to be a woman. I don't think I'm a woman, but I am a woman. And they couldn't, they said, what happened to your boobs? You have those beautiful big boobs. I said, it's called magic, theater magic. I would never tell anybody.
4: So the, yes, the, corset, the corset was enough to pull up to me. Well, was it, was, it,
2: it made my waistline go in four or five inches, gave me an hourglass figure, and it was torture. I how did you sit. breathe to sing? I, I didn't breathe very well, and I found that difficult singing. <laughs> no, when I was singing, if I had to hold a long note, I, I would catch my breath. So it kind of was sexy. They thought I was imitating Marilyn Monroe, but I wasn't. I was, trying, I was choking to death. <laughs> I would do those, but just and uh, <laughs> like Marilyn did. Um, yeah, Jane was a sweetie pie. I loved her till the day she passed. Um, we became really good buddies. We used to lay in our pajamas on the sofa and watch movies, and then after discuss it. And I'd lay there and I'd say to myself, I don't believe Ron that you're laying on this sofa with friggin' Jane Russell? I mean, one of the greatest, sexiest movie stars of our day." Right. Uh-huh. But she never thought of herself that way. she just thought of herself as plain old Jane. imagine what made her so unique that she wasn't a stuck up movie star and she was a legend um everywhere we went, you know she still caused a commotion if people recognized her
1: like, she looked the same, even older she yeah the she was same. a
2: beautiful eighty nine year old woman very beautiful. she never lost her beauty, never. So hold on. Or her figure, or her legs. She had gorgeous legs. There are no
4: movies, no movie stars like that anymore.
2: No, she'd come out of our swimming pool, and I'd look at those legs, and I said, Jane, those legs. How how long are they? Did you ever measure them? She said, Go away. What's wrong with you? You're crazy. Why would I measure my legs? I said, The length of your legs. She said, Who gives a shit about the length of my legs? (laughs) I said, Jane. Forget about it. Go back in the pool. <laughs> who
1: do you consider, actually, uh, well, and we'll talk about you, Tom. We have plenty of time. Uh, but who do you consider nowadays, like, because Ron's always saying that we don't have, you know, like back then we had studio stars, Marilyn Monroe and Jane right. Russell and all these people, and we don't really have that anymore. And there are people who I, that, that Ron will even say, like Angelina Jolie, Charlize Theron, but who are some of the people who you think are
4: like, oh my God, these are real, you know, movie stars, kind of similar to back then, but now. I don't think we can have it anymore because we don't have magic anymore. We don't allow magic. We like to tear it apart. And then we sit among the remnants of what we torn apart and we go, why isn't life any fun? It's because you destroyed the magic. You didn't want it. Thank you. And we, th- That's what we do. Anything that's an illusion, we can't wait to tear it apart. And we're like a little baby sitting there. We torn apart all of our beautiful things. That's so funny because
2: Marilyn Monroe would never be in a movie where she was sitting on a toilet taking a shit and wiping her butt like they do today. That's what's wrong. The stars today are common. They're less than we are. They dress like shit. They look like crap.
4: Pardon me. They don't have the glamour. So So there has to be a distance. There's got to be a distance, but we won't allow there to be a distance. You know, sort of like the royal family, there has to be a distance. And if you get in too close, then you're destroying the illusion, and the illusion was for your benefit to begin with. Right. I agree. Why 100%. why did
2: women look so beautiful in the 1950s? And women were and beautiful. Men. men too. Because they copied the movie stars. They wore the Lana Turner hairdo or the Jane Russell Bra or the or the whoever, whoever what. Today, if they copied the stars, they look like big people homeless, <laughs> because the stars look like homeless. There's no longer glamour or beauty. That's why I like my friend, the tomato. We call her the tomato because she only dresses 1950 as Laureen Landon does that wonderful actress. She dresses retro.
1: Actually, do you know Joanna Heckman? I don't know if you know her. You might know her. Uh, I I don't know if she's been in anything that you've been in, but she's very
2: very glamorous. I'm going to ask you that question. If you're in a movie and you have to sit on a jaw and taking a dump and wiping yourself, would you do it?
4: No.
2: Neither would I. I would vomit. I would be so embarrassed on the set. I couldn't do it. Why? We, I mean, we what? Started, what did, Julie, Julie, we Julian, saw Julianne Moore do it, and, and Ron was Moore. appalled.
1: He was like, oh, my God, you have this like fabulous actress doing this, and it's just unbelievable.
2: And I'm in a movie that we're going to shoot soon, and in the script, the star does the very same thing. She pees in the toilet and talks about it. I mean, what the hell do we need? I'm going to talk to her about that scene. She may not want to put it in the film because I think it degrades the film. There's, you know, we know a human function, but we don't have to put it on film, do we?
4: No, if it doesn't advance the story, and usually it doesn't. No. It has no point in the story. You could have had what the same we... conversation in the kitchen that you're it, having sitting an, on it's the every, It's, it's <laughs>
2: there for sensationalism. I mean,
4: what, sensationalism. what if we had seen uh, Bogart go back around behind Rick's place and take a piss? never.
2: They didn't do such things, they were idols. We worshiped them. If we met them, our hearts beated. People used to faint today. They meet stars in the street and they say, Oh, you look good. Hey, nice, nice knowing you. Goodbye. They don't give a crap about stars.
4: A great okay, here's a great story that a guy, um, I used to know a lot of when I first moved to LA, uh, headshots was still the thing. You actually had to have a photographer, so I met a lot of these guy old photographers, one of them. He had worked with Joan Crawford. And oh. So he told me this great Crawford story about being a movie star. She's on Sunset Boulevard getting ready to go into a club. And back then they had the flash bulbs. you know, they would go like. Yeah. And so there's a couple who's visiting from wherever, Kansas or whatever. And they want to take their picture of Joan Crawford. Mm-hmm. She strikes the pose right there on Hollywood Boulevard. The can't the guy's camera, the flash doesn't go off. She says. Jones says, "Hold on." She unscrews the flash bulb, bends down, squats in her fur, scrapes the 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 metal part of the bulb on the concrete sidewalk of Hollywood Boulevard, screws it back in, strikes the pose, and said, "Try it now." And boom, <laughs> the flash goes off. That's a movie star.
2: <laughs> well, Crawford was known for taking control all the time. You know, I knew Betty Davis. And I tried so hard to get stuff out of her about Joan, and it never went anywhere. She really? never discussed Joan. If you brought Joan's name up, she'd say, "I've heard the name." No. Oh, she yeah. Said that She would say if you, if you said like, "Oh, Joan Crawford was at my house yesterday," she'd say, "Hmm, oh, yeah, I've heard that name," <laughs> and that was it. Oh, she she never, I guess, she, she never did it. And I would, I knew her pretty well. I, I didn't really know her that well to get that personal. I was always afraid of her because with Betty, you have to say, you're a legend, you're a star, you're wonderful. I'm a slave and I adore you. If you didn't have that personality, she wasn't happy with you. You have to know your rank and place. Yes. She was Warner Brothers' number one star and she was a legend and she was the best actress in the world and she lived it. Although she drank and cursed. She was very common in her mouth. She didn't. She wasn't a lady in person. If you went, to, I went to a couple of her parties up at the roof house, the rooftop, and she was. Um, she liked a dirty joke. She liked to talk risque. She, she enjoyed uh, risque talking. So anyway, we,
4: you know her, her her advice to Carson when Carson asked her, "What advice would you give to young kids who want to get into the studios in Hollywood?" And? She said. To, she said. Uh, Take Fountain Avenue. It's quicker than
2: Hollywood Boulevard. Right. I, I, don't, I don't know that she really said that, but I think it's something she would have said.
4: She because, should have said it if she didn't. Because
2: Betty had, you know, I was at one of her parties with Lee Winkler. That's how I used to go because Lee Winkler had three apartments in the building. And I think he rented Betty 4F, which was her apartment. And I said to her, Betty, I've never seen anyone before inhale a cigarette and drink Scotch at the same time and blow it out. And she looked at me. She said, Darling, it takes talent.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So, how long have
1: you actually been acting?
4: All my life. It's all I've ever wanted to do. And everybody told me, Don't do it. You can't make a living at it. But I did 14 years on stage. And now I've done, my God, 14 years in film and TV. So, yeah. And you're you're a
2: damn, you're a damn good actor at that. Well, you're nice, thank you. But like I say, you know, I
4: got to work hard because I'm not beautiful. So that's made me, driven me to work and find a niche. Oh, I think that I'd like to
2: work in a film with you. I think I would too. I think you'd be very. I'm very good. I play it back. I I underplay. I never overplay. I hate over. Oh yeah. I hate actors who overplay.
0: That's why I like
2: Sarah, Sarah French. You know who Sarah French is? She's one of the queens of horror movie. Sarah underplays it, and I so enjoy it. When I see these people,
4: <laughs> I, I can't. No. I never, can't. never scream, never, no. I mean, like the best thing to do, but De Niro did an interview. We're talking about playing bad guys, and he said, um, you know, people say, what do you do on camera? Absolutely nothing.
2: That's it. That's, that's what I loved about Richard Grieco. Richard Grieco was in Tommy Tommyknockers. And I watched the film and I said, my God, he's doing nothing. Nothing. He's not even moving. He's not speaking. He's not acting. But he's terrifying me. And I hate him. And I hope they kill him. Because What is that?
4: There's a silent film that Garbo was in. And I can't remember now. But she's watching a film. And you only see her eyes. You only see the reaction. It's just a shot on her eyes. She's doing nothing. Nothing. You read everything in
2: her eyes. Well, I'm a firm believer. Nothing. Is stronger than too much of everything.
1: So, okay, hang on a second. So let me brag a little bit for people who aren't familiar who, who you are. First of all, you guys can follow Bill on Instagram. He's Bill Oberst Jr. Uh, you can see how you spell it. It's on the screen. Uh, he won the first Lon Chaney Award for Outstanding Achievement in Independent Horror Films in 2014. Um you got he was he got his Emmy for Criminal Minds, right? Your Emmy was for the yeah. the episode of Criminal Minds. Uh, he was listed uh, as uh, the, for, for Criminal Minds, which has been on TV for fucking a long ass time. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, in the top fourteen most notorious serial killers. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, on there, he's made a ton of movies. He's done a ton of television, and he's worked with a whole bunch of really big people, and he's worked with a whole bunch of like kind of like the well, not as quite as big people, but he's done both. He's had a very successful career. Um, being and an everything an, you do is phenomenal. Like even know, the shitty movies you're in are really like, you are really good in, in everything me, that you do.
2: Being an Emmy winner tells it all, you know, that's quite an achievement for those of you out there that don't understand what an Emmy is. An Emmy is an Oscar. It's the same thing. There's no difference for television. from an Oscar to an Emmy. Am I right? It's, it's just, it's a competitive business though. I
4: just did the rookies fed with um, Nisi Nash, mm-hmm. and I just did, I did an episode of it that just there. So when I went to shoot it, I, I had been up for roles before, but I'm up against people who are series regulars, you know? So when I walked on this set, Nisi said, she said, Bill, I'm glad you're finally here. I wanted you for two episodes before this, and I got overruled because they wanted a bigger name. And that's the way the business is. You know, it's, it's all hierarchy, and um, it's extremely competitive.
2: I fight that every time. I tell every producer, stop getting names because your scripts stink. Read the good script. Get a a good actor and a good script. Maybe you'll have a hit movie. But just because Brad Pitt brings people in, don't give him a piece of shit to work in. Give him a wonderful script. And I fight all the time with everybody. I say, read... Jimmy, I tell Jimmy, Jimmy's producing like he's producing a ton of films, which I'd love to have you in one, playing a motherfucking no good bad guy. <laughs> you, I would like to arrest you and put you in prison because you could be really wicked. Anyway. I would like that very much. Oh no, I, I'm going to talk to Jimmy. There's a role that I'm going to con him into putting you in. You don't
1: have to con me. I love him. I think. I he's mean, you super are one. Talented. You
2: are one rotten, no good, mean son of a bitch that I want to put in jail and, and shoot. But anyway. No, I forgot what it was. Oh, about uh, telling people all these. I fight with people to get a script. I tell Jimmy, tell your investors. The name doesn't mean jack shit. It's the script that'll make you make money. Because if the actor is good, the script is good. The film makes money. Word of mouth. Right. They forgot about word of mouth today. In my day, we didn't have television. It was radio, to tell you the truth. We didn't have media. We didn't have cell phones. We had a movie theater. People went to that movie theater, came out, and I'd say, "How was it? Did you like the movie? Should I go see it? Oh, Ron, go see it. It was wonderful. Word of mouth spread throughout the United States and sold tickets and made millions. Right. It still exists. Right. Word of mouth still exists. People
4: yeah, people say- talk all the time. Yeah, pe- people say, you know, what, what is his movie? What have you been watching? My dad, that's why I'm Bill Overs Jr., because he never wanted to be confused with an actor, but my dad, Bill Avery Senior, is constantly saying like, "There's so much on, on Netflix. so what should I watch?" And so people in the family say, "Hey, you'd really like this, or you'd like that."
2: Absolutely. Yeah, okay. My daughters tell me, "Oh, Daddy, we saw a movie. You're gonna really like watch it." I tell this to people. I, we're on on this show. I tell people all the time about a movie that I, 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 I like. I like Blind. Marcel Waltz's Blind. Have you seen it? No. Oh, please. With Sarah French. She's wonderful. She underplays it. She does a brilliant job. The story is phenomenal about a crazy guy. She's blind from a from a surgery. She's a famous movie star living in Hollywood. Some crazy guy moves into her house. She doesn't know he's there. He was watching her shower. He's watching her sleep. He's called Mm -hmm. Pretty Boy. Scare the shit out of you. What a hell! It has a
1: sequel. It has its own like Uh, Spirit Halloween has the costume for it and then everything. I mean, the the
2: concept is so frightening because there's nothing, no monster, nothing from outer space, just a crazy person. Think about it. Folks, Folks, think about it. You can't see and someone is in your home. How frightening is that? Marcel Walsh did a brilliant job. When people say, what's the best horror film you've seen in a long time? I say blind.
1: So hold on. I want to go back and talk to you about this. So, because you, uh, you haven't, I mean, you do, uh, you, you do get cast a lot as either a serial killer or in horror movies, but everything that you've done isn't horror movies because, uh, and I have to go back because I don't remember it, but you were in The Secret Life of Bees, which has like
4: huge people in it. What, what did you play in that? Hard-ass sheriff. I'm always a hard-ass. I did like three Hallmark movies, hard-ass and every, hard-ass father, but a hard-ass. I'm always the hard-ass because people, uh. Real people in real life do not do this, but many, many producers take a shortcut and say, if the face is jagged and sharp, right. then obviously that's what kind of person it is. And I love playing those guys because everybody has a jagged, sharp side. But I like to play like, us, um, I bring some softness to it because I, I, the hard asses that I know, except the ones that are real assholes, and most aren't, they're hard because they're wounded in some way. And so I try to bring that through. So what I like to play is like the the, the really hard ass who's got a really deep wound and doesn't want you to see it. Because that's the push and pull. So so in The Secret Life of Bees, you guys, just to give an idea of some
1: of the people he's worked with, Dakota Fanning, Queen Latifah, Jennifer Hudson, Alicia Keys, Paul Bettany, Paul Bettany is the policeman yes. in the movie you love so much with Johnny Depp and, right. and uh, Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Hilary jo- Burton.
2: The, the tourist, the tourist.
1: The only movie, yeah, the tourist, yeah. The only movie that you have on your thing that I thought, oh, my God, this is like, you know, this movie's not good. And we went to the premiere of it at a film festival down in Florida because we were living in Florida, and I'm fr- friends with Carol Cardinal, and we had another friend who was in it, but Legend of the Red Reaper, probably, unfortunately, one of the worst <laughs> movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I've never seen it. Oh, it's really bad. They no. use the same scene over the crowd scene, the same scene over and over, like minutes. And don't minutes. feel
2: bad. And I, I, I was
1: in
4: it. <laughs> well, according to your IMDB, you're in it. I don't really? know if you're actually in it. <laughs> you know what? I, I asked Adrian Barbeau the last time we worked together. I said, Do you remember all of the? And before I even finished, she said, Oh God, no. No.
1: Actually I wrote down one that you did with her too Death House which is funny cuz I'm making a movie right now called Death
2: House Wait a minute are you allowed to use that title so, Yes since, how, years ago you Yeah put, you
4: can't copyright a title right you Can't copyright a title so years ago you had to wait 50 years
2: before you could copy a title or a storyline
1: Actually hold on let me tell you about this too Okay so your Death House because we had almost everybody on the show. Courtney Palm's been on the show. Adrian Barbeau's been on the show. Kane Hodder's been on the show. Nicole Sinaglia has been on the show. Tony Todd. Bill Mosley has not been on the show. Debbie Roshan's been on the show. Dee Wallace has been on the show. Gunnar Hansen hasn't, but I was friends for him before he died for years. Barbara Crampton's been on the show. And Camille Keaton's been on the show. So almost everybody in that movie you know, has been on the show. And we are doing a movie right now that we go into production in like two weeks for a movie called
4: Death House. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, you, uh, mentioned, you mentioned Debbie Roshan. <clears throat> uh, every, ch- every time I get an opportunity to say this, I say it. Debbie Roshan is a hell of an actress. She's a very, very strong and talented actress. She, she doesn't always get the opportunity to show it. I really want to work with her again. The, the time she, that I did work with her, I was just blown away. I think she's one of the most like
1: underrated people in horror because she should be at the top of the pile. I mean, she's at the top of the pile, but she's not at the top of the pile, maybe as much as she could be. She could be higher at the top of the pile because she's a phenomenal actress.
2: And out of all those names, you know, I liked Adrian Barbeau a lot. Uh, she's a sweetheart of a person. I'd like to work with Adrian because Adrian could play a very tough policewoman. I, I know, a detective. And I'm talking to Jimmy, maybe in one of the other movies that we're in. Uh, if we can, if, if Adrian doesn't mind a cameo, it's not a big part to play a policewoman.
4: She, she is also a, is a hell of an actress. When we yes, did Criminal oh, Minds together, she's a great I, I had bar- barbed wire around her neck in this scene in Criminal Minds. And you know, it's rubber, but still, it's breaking it's, it's it into her neck. Yeah, it and, hurts. and I said, are you OK? Because she's got tears streaming down her face in the scene. I was, In between takes, I said, are you OK? And she said, Titer. tighter. Tighter, nice. yeah. Make Which is, set, is such a good yeah. episode. It's such a it's such a freaking like good one. So criminal minds but, is but, one of my but, favorite. But, but my
2: question, shows. Bill, was do you think she cast well as a policewoman?
4: Yeah, she does I incredible, so. tough, but 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 feeling roles. That's yes, I that's, love her. That's
2: how I feel about it. Yeah, Jimmy might put her in.
4: You have I have to like contact
2: her to play a policewoman. Let's let's brag a little bit more for you. Throat, so you did a movie called and, I,
1: and I'm bringing up some of these movies because a lot of the people have been on our show, so it gives us like six degrees of separation. But Bleach with Eric Roberts, Tara Reed, Devony Pinn, Ezra Buzzington, Robert Lassardo, Noel, Noel Gugliemi, Lorenzo Lamas, Oh, Larry. They've all been on our show. Everybody's been on our show except for Tara Reed. And I You've uh,
2: had Ezra on? Yeah. And I know Lorenzo. Believe
1: it or not, I (laughs) met Estro when I was a clothing designer back in Florida. uh, And I wasn't doing a whole lot of movie stuff. And I used to send him clothes to wear for appearances and stuff. uh, Back in that, 25 years ago. You know, I'm talking a long time ago. And excuse me. we see him at a lot of events here.
2: Everyone out there, excuse me for coughing, but I have Desert Throat now sitting out on the patio. The dryness and the dust. You've heard of Desert Throat. It's when the sand... You have gets, a drink over there. I have
4: it. Here. Okay, When okay. the
2: sand gets in your nostrils and throat... <laughs> so,
4: what were you going to say about Ezra? <laughs> I, I was going to say, Ezra's my buddy, and I love him. He, uh, I had an idea to do a stage adaptation of a Ray Bradbury piece about a dead man who comes to life called Pillar of Fire, and Ezra, bless his heart, he got me into Hollywood Fringe, he directed the show, and I've been on tour with it for five years, New York and every place, all because of Ezra, because he believed in this. I really love that guy. Um,
1: he's a great guy. So then, I also—I uh, know you were in the Immortal Wars movies. We went and saw one of them, uh, mm-hmm. Three from Hell. That's a big one with Rob, Zom- Rob Zombie, Bill Mosley, Sid Hey, Jeff Daniel Phillips, Sherry Moon Zombie, and D. Wallace. Oh, his um,
2: microphone. I don't know if you'll, you be i reading. he can hear me. Can you can hear no, me? Right? I speak in loud the, in the uh, tape.
1: Oh no, I, everybody! I can—I speak loud. It carries. Okay. Um, and then uh, I, I wrote down Legend of the... Oh, and then I wrote down The Cricket's Dance, and the reason why I wrote it down, um, which that's definitely... I don't think that's a horror movie. I've never seen it. Um, with Kristen, Kristen Renton, who I, we know, we've never been on the show, but Bobby Eeks, who used to live down the street from us here, who now lives in Georgia. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, and so she's a friend of ours, her and her husband. And she
2: sings beautifully. Did you ever hear her sing? No, I didn't oh, know that. Bobby Eeks can sing better than, than anybody. she's yeah, a she's got brilliant a, singer. The sweetheart of a person. She lives in, in
4: Georgia. Mm-hmm. I don't and even she know she what the a,
2: she lives in Atlanta.
4: I don't know what the crickets dance is, but it's uh, a um, it's it's an interracial love story with flashbacks to the time before the Civil War, and of course, I play like uh, an overseer in the flashbacks. I'm a hard ass again, but it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a really, it's a beautiful story. I know, Bill, I love it. Bill,
2: did you know, I forgot the actor, but there was a very famous character actor that I knew. Anyway, he worked more than major stars. Character actors work
4: all the time. You probably remember Robert Loggia? Yes. Sure, of course. Okay, I know. so Loggia told me with that. I worked with him a year before he died. He worked all the that's time. What he, that's what he told me. He said, play the bad guys, they work
2: because they always need a bad guy in every movie. I play a cop. Mostly I play mafia because when I can, I could could talk like I come from Brooklyn because I really do come from Brooklyn, you know? So my accent is a real accent. Right now this is how they talk in Brooklyn. So when they try to imitate the other actors, they look, they sound like crap and they don't even sound like real. (laughs) So I can switch from speaking normally to my Brooklyn accent. And they hire me simply for my Brooklyn accent. Because it works. It's authentic.
4: I whisper because Hugh Jackman told me to. I I worked I work with him once, and I got to talk to him a little bit, and he told me, don't shout.
0: Don't with what? Face,
4: don't, shout. don't shout. He said, with no. your face, never shout. Whisper. The softer you are, the better your face will work. And he was right.
2: Oh, like that's awesome! Well, because of the concentration is on the facial expression, not on the loudness of the voice. Wait, wait what did you I do agree. with Hugh Jackman?
4: What movie or TV show? It was a movie or TV. It show? was a commercial, and I don't remember the car company, but he was this, their spokesman in China. In those days, some of the big Hollywood stars, you know, were spokespeople for commercials that only ran. Over yeah, that still so, happens a lot now. A lot of perfume companies and stuff. Yeah, use, nobody else ever saw. Through.
1: Oh, that's funny. So, so did you like, let's say, so you went to Hollywood. Did you like horror movies before you started becoming stars of horror movies or did you? I loved them. So what are some of your, what are some of your favorite horror movies?
4: I like uh, the old ones. Um, And by old, I mean like some of the original, the Lon Chaney stuff, all of the German expressionistic stuff, the silence, all of the universal stuff, uh, Friday the 13th was great. The early 80s stuff was fantastic. Uh, what's the movie um, that Hitchcock did where the woman is in the house and I think she's blind and there's someone in the house but she doesn't know it? Psychological horror, vertigo, all of that to oh, me. Yeah, vertigo. I don't think window. Hitchcock all...
2: ever did a movie where she was blind. <clears throat> Maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, damn it, may have been on his TV show. Joan Crawford was in, I think, an Outer Limits or one of those shows where she's a blind woman and it's a doctor comes up and they perform a surgery. Now, is why that's, gonna,
4: that's um, Night Gallery, Night Gallery, the Night Gallery, because Tom Bosley was her eye donor.
2: And they take her bandages off, but she can only see for one minute or two minutes. But she didn't care. She just wanted to see. And that's, that's right. when we had the big blackout in 1960, whatever. So yeah. she never saw it. So
1: wait until
4: dark. Wait until dark. No,
1: that's the Hitchcock one with the blind woman. Right. So I wait, like.
4: Um, I, I I like uh, psychological horror, and I especially like. I was horror.
2: with Audrey Hepburn, Evelyn Zemblis Jr. Oh
4: yeah. Wait until
2: dark was with Audrey Hepburn. She played a blind woman.
4: Mm-hmm. And speaking of, um, I don't think Hitchcock.
2: that was a Hitchcock film.
4: Uh, the birds. The birds the was, was yeah. Well, I knew Chippy. So, you know, Chippy and I had friends. I like moments that are uh, that are nonverbal in these, you know, frightening movies. Some of the most beautiful moments in horror don't have any dialogue, and so I hate getting scripts where everything is spelled out and so overwritten. And there's no time to just get a tight shot on a face.
2: Well, Hitchcock did it in Psycho, Janet Lee being stabbed in that shower. There was no dialogue, but yet it's the most powerful thing. People were afraid to take showers afterwards. I That's know right. friends of mine, the wife said to the husband, honey, come in the bathroom while I take a shower. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Imagine what he did to the minds of people with that one little scene with Janet Leigh. Yes.
1: So hang on. So I have a question for you then, because we always ask this for actors and stuff. Uh, first of all, before we do that, do you have, uh, like, what what is one of the things that you've been in that you're, like, uh, besides the Criminal Minds, because that's obviously like the greatest shit ever. It's such a great show. Uh, what is one of the projects you've done that you think, oh, my God, this is like some of my best shit that I've ever done?
4: Actually, if there's one that would be played at my funeral, um, it would be, which people don't want to stay at a funeral that long. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a, It's a movie called The Retrieval. It's not a horror movie. It's a coming-of-age story, and it's set in the time at the end of the Civil War. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever done, and I think the most powerful. I play a bad guy. I'm not the star. I'm a supporting role, and uh, it's a Chris Eska film. Won a lot of awards, and everybody that ever saw it was moved by it. So that's the one, The Retrieval. Okay. Did
2: you ever? Well, here's here's a question. It's, it's me and you question. The film that I'm in, How uh, Death House. I want to. They tell me my son has been killed. I want to cry. I've never cried in a film. I hope my director will allow it. Now, if you have to cry or do something in a film that you feel is right, and the director says no, how do you handle that?
4: You mean, if I want to cry and they won't let me agree?
2: You feel this character is gonna break down and cry, but your director says, no, you don't cry.
4: Well, that's the best way to cry, right? Because if if you are trying not to cry, the only way to act drunk convincingly is to try not to be drunk and the only way to look like you really need to cry right is try not to cry the harder you try not to cry then it'll be no no
2: no no, no, you're not understanding me you read your script and you say to yourself oh my god i'm going to cry in this movie then you go to shoot it and the director says no do not cry
4: i okay then i say i'll give you all the takes without crying but will you give me one Right. That's what. Because I, I don't know if my director's going to let me cry
2: and be upset. So I'm going to say to her, let's shoot it one way crying and then we'll shoot it the way you want. That's and, it. And then see. A lot and of directors,
4: might get, might get lucky.
2: <clears throat> no, but a lot of directors have attitudes. It's like, frig you, you're not directing. And even if the scene is good, they won't use it.
4: Or, you know what? Just like once you get the take that you know is the take... Just say, "Can I have one more?" and then cry. Don't tell them you're going to do it. What can they do? I have intention. (laughs) You know, you don't know me.
1: (laughs) He's got a big mouth, so he'll get he'll get it in. He'll he'll
2: at least get a take of it. He'll get a take. I mean, I walked off a movie because a director was just not normal, and I've never walked off a movie or walked out of a play or anything in my life. But it was the end of the movie, and I knew it wasn't necessary for me to be in it anymore. And I walked out because the director was abusive and belittling, belittling and ageist. It was hideous what he put me through. It was just it was degrading. Had it been a union, a SAG film, he would have been up on charges and sued. So I walked off a film. But I, I feel at this point in my life, as you probably feel, the director may not know everything. Because as an actor, as you are an actor, a good actor, we know our potential. We know what we could deliver. The director doesn't know us that well to know what it is that we do. So, so I you're, fe- there
4: to, you're there to collaborate.
2: I yes. know. I feel that you and I, as vintage actors, I am far more vintage than you. We can tell a director, hey, listen,
4: I can give you this. Give it a shot. Yes. Give them what they want first, and get that in the can. Right, because a lot of these these new I have young have no directors. problem saying, "Can I have one more?" Or and then I'll give them what I think might work.
1: Especially if the director, you know, is twenty-five or thirty years old. And, they don't know, what know and he's doing. been acting for sixty-four years.
2: <laughs> no, yeah, sixty-four years. Listen, I was directed by Sydney Lomet. Lomet. you know, after Sydney Lomet, what the hell? There's nobody, you know, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> And Sydney, all he said to me was, "Soldier, pull that helmet back on your head." And guess what? When they shot the scene before they shot, I pushed it back because I <laughs> wanted my beautiful mane of black hair to show. And Sydney made a remark about it later. He oh, said man. to me, "Oh, you're got, you're not going to go far in this business, kid." <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question. Then this and that is something... was a film with Sophia Loren. I was in. It's I like Ed to Hunter.
1: I like to ask everybody this question. All the actors, so. Uh... Number one, bucket list, because you've worked with so many huge people. Bucket list, male and female people, person that you would like to work with, and they can actually be living or dead. And then, if you could have ever been in any movie that's ever been made in the history of movies, what movie do you think you would have liked to have
4: been in? And that can be an old one, a new one. It could be any any movie that you like. Uh, Michael Caine and Lon Chaney. That's one living, one dead. Okay. Uh, And uh, Phantom of the Opera, uh, but a version that – that plays eric the phantom as having been born the way he was born not some bullshit of somebody threw acid in his face or right. died. but he just has this he was he was a human monster because he was born that way and that interests me a lot okay and now
1: female um, living and dead that you'd like to work with who do you got for an actress
4: you know what debbie Rushan, really Because she's she's been on my mind and I've been thinking about her and there's something in her eyes. I'd like that. Okay. And who are some of your favorite, like, uh, non-living actresses? Oh my gosh. We've talked about a lot of them.
2: So many. Um, I could never answer that either. So
4: I could just go back on and on. Uh, Crawford, of course. Uh, The Crawford, Davis, that whole era. And also... You know that the uh, late '60s western thing that was going on, where they did a lot of westerns.
2: Barbara Stanwyck was wonderful.
4: There was a woman who was in a lot of those, and I cannot call up her name, but I can see her.
2: <laughs> Star or character?
4: Could have been. I don't know. But it was. You know that you could tell from the makeup that it's the '60s, even though it's supposed to be the old west. Yeah. But those all- women had a burning burning eye, passion. Uh,
1: I would like that. He's like he's a big fan of Barbara Stanwyck. Like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Who? Barbara Stanwyck.
2: Oh, I love Barbara Stanwyck.
1: We've seen so many great oh, movies. Oh, I adore her.
2: I've never met her. And you know what? That's one of my uh, regrets in life, that I've never met Barbara Stanwyck, because I'm such an admirer of her work. She's a Brooklyn gal. And I liked her technique because she played it very soft. Yes, And she played it very underplayed. And yes. then she became angry and smacked and was tough and, and did that beautiful Barbara Stanwyck shtick that she did in every movie. And we all waited for it. We sat in the theater saying, okay, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then there it was. Stanwyck did her Brooklyn Tough Girl. And I, I adored her. She was a brilliant actress. Brilliant, yes. brilliant actress. So, yes, she was. Yeah.
1: So I also wrote down, and I don't know if you still have it. Do you still have your podcast, Gothic Goodnight?
4: I do have my podcast. I'm getting ready to do another episode. I just do them whenever I have time and I want to. So this is, a season can last for two years. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's called... Tell gothic us Good what Night. it is. Tell us everybody uh, what it is. It's a gothic bedtime podcast. So, okay, so you can't go to sleep. You don't want to listen to somebody yammer on about their life. So turn on Gothic Good Night. And in the guise of this old library keeper in an ancient library, in a very soothing voice... I read you short bits of gothic fiction, very dark stories. Wow, and as that's I go on, it gets slower. The heart the beat gets down to your heartbeat until finally he says, Good night. And how nobody we, has ever listened to it without falling asleep. In fact, many people how do we get tell, to many people say I can't listen to an episode without falling asleep before it's over, which thrills me.
2: How do we get to you?
4: Uh Gothic Goodnight. It's on all the podcast apps. And I don't make any money off it. I just do it for fun.
2: So what do you do? Just type in Gothic, Gothic uh
4: Goodnight. Goodnight. Gothic Goodnight, Gothic. Bill Oberst Jr. Everybody. Yeah, Gothic Goodnight. Gothic Goodnight. Goodnight. Sometimes when I can't go to sleep, I listen to it. And even though I did it and I know all the words, it puts me to sleep.
2: Right. Sometimes, sometimes I put myself to sleep, too.
1: <laughs> so in the chat room, they wrote some of the other actresses. They wrote Claudia Cardinal. Yes. Stella Stevens and Jennifer Oh, Jones. Stella. Stella
2: Stevens. Stella, Stella Stevens. Stevens, yeah. Stella Stevens is a very dear friend of mine. And I'm sorry to say that she's suffering from Alzheimer's. And she's presently in a home in Hollywood. And as so many of my celebrities are passing away, I want to see Stella. And somebody said, Ron, she won't know who you are. And Stella and I were buddies. I love Stella Stevens. Love her.
1: I think it's cool.
2: I'm very upset about that. This Alzheimer's is getting a lot of my people. It's terrible. So- terrible. But that's what's happening. Everyone out there, if you don't know who Stella Stevens is, the Shelley Winters, is another buddy of mine. Her film, Poseidon Adventure. Stella Stevens was that sexy, gorgeous blonde that was going up the ladder and you saw the crack of a butt in panties. That's right. That was a good shot. That's right. But, I, we, you know, I, to- I kid Stella about that. And Stella says to me right away, she said, well, I told them I do it without panties, but they said that wouldn't be acceptable. <laughs> Stella had a wonderful sense of humor. She was, a You know, um, when I
4: worked with Logia, he was beginning that process that you described mentally. And so he was working from cue cards. But still, still, even with cue cards, that man could deliver an Oscar performance with cue cards that would leave you awed. Once the camera rolled and they said action, he just knew. Uh, he was great. It's, he was phenomenal. It's sad
2: because there, there are a few actresses and people that I know that have that disease or, that, or dementia or just old age. And I, I don't have many left. There are very few of my uh, pals from years ago. I'm kind of like the last of the Mohegans, as they say. He probably doesn't.
1: When have... you're... he's he's he'll be 83 he I'll be 83. He'll be eighty-three in like a few in weeks. Two months, in two months. In couple, yeah, two
2: months. I'll be eighty-three. So I'm. I forget. Well, yeah, but I go back a long way. I go back to Hollywood when, when it was Hollywood. Yes, and I've had to see so many that I love. Uh, Jane Russell, when she passed away, I was sick for months. I was just, in, just in such a loss. I missed her phone call. I would call Jane up, and Jane would say yes. We talk, and then she'd hang up. She never said hello or goodbye on the phone ever. And I loved that. I thought that was so theater, so Hollywood. She was. Yes. This is Jane. Okay, Ron, I'll meet you at three. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> know.
4: Um, one of my one of my uh, old photographer friends, who's now passed away in Burbank, uh, told me when he was a kid that he wanted to contact Mae West. She was in the phone book. Back oh, then, yeah.
2: Mae West was in the phone book. That's true. Jack
4: Benny was in the phone. Anyway, so she yes. called him up and he called her up and, and had the gut to talk to her. And she said, how bad do you want to meet me? And he right. said, well, I really would And he said, come over Saturday. You can do my laundry. And they, <laughs> They became good friends until the end of her life. That's cool. Yeah.
2: Mr. Blackwell Richard was a dear, dear friend of mine. You know who Mr. Blackwell was? I 10 worst, worst. Him, yeah. yeah, He was buddies with Mae West from the day one. They adored each other. So I got a lot of stories, which I'm putting in my book about May West. And May West was not a man, by the way, folks. Everybody said that she was a drag queen. She was no. not a drag queen. <laughs>
1: So she was a real woman. So what do you got coming up that we should tell everybody about?
4: I am going to play, uh, I'm attached to play, and I think they get the money to play Hitler in a movie. Oh. In um,
2: and I've also, like wow. Hitler. That's Thank a big deal. You could I, mustache. You could look like the hair. You could, I want to see that movie.
4: <laughs> I also got a nice, very nice Nazi role in a, a high profile big budget uh, period piece, World War II period piece. It's called In the Name of War, and that'll be shooting soon. I've got a one-man stage show about Satan that I'm starting to tour, and I'm working with the producer in New York City for the, finally, after years of hoping for this, we are going to revisit Phantom of the Opera. We're writing the script and reimagining it, and he thinks he can get money for it, and we're going to try to do the version of it that's faithful to what this character was supposed to be. Did you oh, and I'm see- playing Hamlet's Ghost, Hamlet's Father's Ghost for a uh, stage production in New York too this fall.
2: That's wonderful. Wow, that's, that's all awesome. good news. Did you ever see Claude Rains' version of Phantom of the Opera?
4: I did. It was beautifully shot, Technicolor,
2: right? Right. And the chandelier when it comes down was quite impressive. Claude Raines did a, a nice job. Well, he was a great actor. He was, by the way, one of Betty Davis' very close friends, Claude Raines. Oh,
4: yeah? It was so I visited. I visited, and you may have too, I visited that set at Universal, the original Chaney set for, right. of the Opera House. It was the only part, the oldest standing set until they tore it down. But uh, the Claude Rains version was also, they used that same.
1: Right. Let me ask you a question. Like you're, You're <laughs> extremely established. Do you still have to audition, or do you basically get offered roles without having
4: to audition? For the smaller stuff, I get offers. For the bigger stuff, I have to uh, audition. It, it, an example of that is uh, Scream Queens. Um, they contacted my agent and said, "We don't have anybody in mind for this, but Oberst. But we want to make sure that he can do it. So have him put himself on tape. I put myself on tape, sent it in, and they said, yeah, that's what we thought. You got the job.'"
2: Yeah, you send you send your reel. That's no longer auditioning like years ago. Now you just send your reel, and they look at your. They, reel. they
4: give you the sides though to do it specifically. No, Ron, but it's it's no that, longer in the room. And it, that's a real, I, I mourn the loss of auditioning in the room because you don't get that energy in the eye contact anymore. have
2: you don't have the whole, I want it, I got to do it kind of feeling. You know, you're at home, you don't give a shit.
4: And, and so an old actor told me, uh, I was having trouble booking auditions at the time, and they said, when you go in, say your name. I said, what? He said, yeah, when you go in, say... Hi, I'm Bill Overs Jr. I said, they know my name. He said, it doesn't matter. It breaks the energy in the room and it creates something new. So I started doing it. I, they would, I would come in and you know stand here and I'd say, hey, I'm Bill Overs Jr. And suddenly they'd be like, hey, how are you? And it just snapped whatever was
0: going on in the room. Well,
2: I, I always do that because that's how I was raised. Yeah. They don't do that anymore. In California, hello, my name is Ron. Yours is Bob. Bullshit. In New York, my name was Ron Russell. We gave a last name and shook a hand. So oh, yes. I was that way. So, yeah, when I go, if I go anywhere, I say, yeah, I'm Ron Russell. I'm here to do whatever. I always do, my, I always introduce myself. That's part of the olden days. Uh, the, the good manners of years ago, you always, when you entered a room of people, you always
4: introduced yourself. Absolutely. Do you get recognized everywhere you go? Occasionally. Yes. And usually it's from some kid who likes horror movies and points me out and their mothers say, get away from him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love because I want to say another person who I think has a great character face. And for me, uh, he's my favorite, basically my favorite actor. Like I, I I was at a convention and he actually invited me to dinner and I got to go eat and, and had a blast. And there's two of them. And, uh, Malcolm McDowell and Lance Henriksen
4: are like, oh, my God
1: favorites um and they also have you know especially lance hendrickson like you has a rugged face um you know lance hendrickson makes these alien tiles and uh he actually gave me one after we spent hung out for a weekend at one of these events and on the back he wrote jimmy star you're like the coolest fucker ever or something and gave it to me it's part of my you know my my most oh. prized collections because he's my favorite um but I, I see, cause basically like, you know, he's getting older and I could see you, you know, getting a lot of those roles also like that, that Lance Henriksen used to get, you know, Millennium oh, was a great, great. TV And show. Malcolm
4: McDowell, are you kidding me? Malcolm McDowell is awesome. No, he's awesome.
1: I have to tell you one of my, my most prized, besides the fact that like, uh, at a convention, Clive, I used to be a clothing designer and I would take clothes and give it to, give it to people if they would wear it and let me take pictures. And so, uh besides the fact that like Clyde Barker came and hung out with me for seven hours, telling me stories, which was a really big deal for me. My next favorite thing that ever happened to me with celebrities is when Malcolm McDowell called me to come to breakfast. And I went to breakfast with Lance Henriksen, Doug Bradley and Malcolm McDowell, just the three of us. And, oh, wow. and for me, that was like, Oh my God, like all my favorite horror people in the same, you know, and here I am eating and then we went to dinner and then we all became friends and they all came on the show. And, uh, and it was just, but for me, that was like a really big deal. But I could see you now that Lance is, you know, getting up there in ears, getting getting a lot of those kind of, uh, like all those roles that he like gets because, you know, you have that rugged,
4: and you're both phenomenal actors. Um, well, so I, I, love, I, love, I love those roles. And now, for some reason, when you talked about getting older, you just made me think of Betty Davis in that period in her life when she was playing witches and, uh, you know, uh, killer women. Remember she did those TV movies? I I talked about that with her
2: briefly. Um, She was not happy. She did not like Baby Jane. She was broke as a bat. She got $65,000 for that, and it enabled her to live in Hollywood in a nice apartment. Uh, Betty felt it was the end of her career, the end of her life. Uh, She never spoke of him. She would never talk about Baby Jane or any of those horror movies she was in. All the only thing she did say was that she hated Faye Dunaway. She thought Faye Dunaway was the most unprofessional actress she's ever worked with and a horror on wheels. <laughs> and that's all she would say. <laughs>
4: you know, that's a that, great phrase. Uh, I'm going to start using that. Know, on no, on wheels. She did. No, Betty, Betty <laughs> said
2: Faye Dunaway is a horror on wheels. That's great. That's all she ever said. As far as working with Crawford, I tried so hard to. And she knew I was trying to get around, and then she would again say, "I've heard the name." That was all she ever said about Crawford. Was, "I've heard the name." I think that's hilarious.
4: Well, like we that. we started the interview talking about old female stars, and we end it that way.
2: That's right. Well, it's 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 interesting because our fans are our age uh, are from thirty to fifty to sixty to seventy. So, our, our what is the word I'm looking for? Our Audience, no, another demographic. Dem- Demographic—that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, basically. Our and, demographic and, and you've been is a terrific like guest. 70. You're a terrific guest, and I want to work with you because I want to arrest you because you're a mean, no good, rotten killer. Send me to prison, and I'm going to get you. I'm going to send you to prison.
1: Maybe I, maybe I, you can I,
2: find romance in the prison. <laughs> I actually have a
1: werewolf trilogy that we're working on. It where it has two really. Sh- skis skeevy like we need this oh there you go and uh and so i'm gonna i'll pitch i don't have the money for it yet i'm working on it but uh but i'm gonna put you on my list because i have a list that everybody comes to me saying who do you know that you can introduce this to and even though everybody knows you gotta eventually negotiate with the agent at least i can get to the people and say hey would you are you even interested in this before we like go through all of that And uh, I'll put you on the list because i got nine films right now in different stages of development. And
2: and coming on our show is a good thing because Paul Savino said to me, if you're not in Hollywood and they don't see you, they forget you.
1: And everybody will see you. And that's
2: true. (laughs) Now that we see you, we remember you because I didn't remember you. I know 40,000 people. How (laughs) am I going to remember you? You're one of the 40,000 people. But if I see you, I remember you and I'm happy to see you. That's right. and now you're going to be in one of the movies with me. Yeah, I am, we're going to I can't stuff. wait to cuff you, baby. I can't wait to cuff so you. So you
1: guys follow Bill on Instagram. He's <laughs> at Bill Oberst Junior. O B E R S T Junior. Check out all his different things um, that he's doing. And uh, we want to thank you for coming on. And I'm That's, definitely going to be in touch. I'm going to pitch you for some of the stuff we've got going right. and see if they think it's okay. Uh, and if hey. so I'll be in touch. Hello, Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell, listeners. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com forward slash Jimmy and Ron and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's b-a-d-l-a-n-d-s-f-o-o-d.com forward slash Jimmy and Ron.
4: This has been a real, real pleasure. I've looked forward to it, and it exceeded my expectations. Thank you, gentlemen. Oh, we hey, had it's a blast. Pleasure. It's, been it's, pleasure. it's been too we long. It's been too long. We had
2: a good time the last time, and we had a good yes, time this time
1: absolutely you, and bill. good luck with all the things you got coming up since you got a busy year coming up i hope everything is works fabulous we can't wait to see you as hitler and bill you too thank you thank you for right. giving us Bye. an interview all right everybody that was bill Oberst jr we're going to take a quick music break uh we're going to play young zuck let it go and then we're going to come back with our next guest linda Steele. so everybody Ooh. we love young zuck this is his newest latest single yeah. check it out let it go by young zuck
5: Someone tell me, you let it go. Yeah, woke up on a sign. What up fuck to What is
1: go by young zuck and real quick we want to give a shout out to don hinton who's uh, not in the chat room today because she's having gallbladder surgery uh so we just want to wish her well it's gonna go
2: well we don't have to send her love and we'll see her next week it's gonna go well and you know what young zuck is a great guy in person he's one of our favorite friends but i don't like rap music but i like his rap music because it's fun some rap i don't get I anyway so young zuck I think Check
1: it was. out, you guys. He's very cool, and he's on uh, Instagram and uh, TikTok. So you can follow him at. And I think Zodiac. his
2: music is really good. All honestly.
1: right. So now we're gonna bring on um, uh, our next guest, Linda Steele, who hasn't been on since I don't know, sometime during COVID. So let's bring her on right. and see if we can hear her.
2: Hey. There you are. Woo-hoo. <laughs> here we
1: go. Say I'm
2: something.
3: So happy to be
1: here. Oh my gosh. There we go. Oh, we gotta do something. Why are like you so dressed
3: to the to the neck? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in
2: Chicago and it just snowed six inches here. Oh. But I just, I wrote on Facebook that you were coming on and for all the guys to watch the show. (laughs) And now we have all these guys watching the show saying, Ron Russell drop dead
1: so you guys linda Steele. <laughs> believe it or not her her instagram is linda Steele fit bod because she's got one of the most banging bods on the yeah, planet and she's hiding and, it uh, And it she's up. hiding it but that's okay because all you got to do linda. is google linda Steele and all the and hit images and all the pictures come up because she is a superstar body we should yeah. brag about so man, i
2: want to just say to all you guys that i said to tune in you're going to check her out look at the face you know you, don't necessarily have to look at the body all the time. Look at the face. <laughs> and the brains that go with it. Right. So,
1: you guys, Linda Steele, 18 years as a certified elite trainer, nutrition expert, exercise therapist, senior oh, yes. fitness expert, and she's got the dopest, coolest, high heel collection you will right. ever see, which if right. you watch our show, last time she was on, she took us to her closet and showed them all. Um, and this time she's coming on because not only is she all these things, but she has a brand-new book. Just came out last week. The name of it is Nerves of Steel, a memoir by Linda Steele. And we're going to talk about the book as well as a bunch of other things. But the book is available now on Amazon. It went, went way up to the top of the charts its first
3: day out. I don't know. How high did it go? I hit an international bestsellers list.
1: There you go. So go she hit an international bestsellers list first day out. And uh, it's a great book. Uh, and, and actually, if you look at the book at the very beginning of the book, in the uh, endorsements, there's an endorsement. Ron and I have both have endorsements in here. Maybe we'll read one of them later. But
2: hello and welcome back. Yay! And, and I haven't read your book yet. Thank you. I have about seven books ahead of you. I mean, every, other books, other right friends of ours that have been on the show. I have so many books ahead. And next week, our guest is one of the mafiosa guys who was a killer. Johnny Russo. Johnny Russo. And he sent us two books. I mean, when I fly, I read a book because what else do you do when you fly but read a book? So now I'll be reading your book and everybody's book because Jimmy and I are going to be doing a lot of flying in the next six months. And then I'll let you know. I read it though. How did you read read it so fast? I didn't read
1: it. I didn't read this copy. She sent me a copy. Uh, like a uh, to read on the computer. Oh,
2: because this book just came. Yeah, it just came yesterday, Sunday. I, mean, I couldn't read it, so you
3: guys, first I didn't first even book- go
2: through it. So I know nothing about it. So you're going to have to tell me all about the book.
3: I'll tell so you everything. Just a little bit,
1: and then I'm going to read a little bit off the back of it. I have no idea what it's
2: about.
3: Okay, you let me know when to start. Okay. When to start. Go start, start, go, start, Go, Yay! go. go. <laughs> My book is about. Um, It's about a bunch of different things, but really, it's essentially about childhood trauma and how it affects our adult relationships. So, a lot of times, what happens is we have this childhood trauma, it's always there, never really goes away. And uh, as we grow older, we tend to, to take some of the aspects that happen to us as children and we kind of tie it into our adult relationships. We have trust issues. We have um, things that trigger us, things that bother us. Uh, we're, we have our guard up for certain things. And, um, and we wind up with, with in a relationship and people wonder, what in the hell? I, I didn't, what did I do to deserve that? So we, we sometimes wind up in, in relationships that are toxic. We create them ourselves. We're afraid to get uh, close with people because of how we've been hurt in the past. And um, so my, my book is about that. It's about then being stuck in toxic relationships how do you get out of them? Some people get stuck in them and they never get out because they're afraid to leave. And um, I show a couple different scenarios of relationships that I had been in and steps that I had to take in order to find my way out and move on to the next step.
1: That's a, that's an well, important thing that you just said, though, because you guys, this is a memoir. So this is like this is an all revealing book of Linda's childhood and the different things that she went through as a child and how she overcame all these different things to become the person that she is today. It's very, very interesting. Um, I think people will like it. I want to read the little thing off the back, but go ahead. You were going to say something.
2: I am stuck in a relationship <laughs> and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love you know, your relationship so much. Yeah. Jimmy and I are married 10 years and you know what? It feels like the first day. It's it's really amazing. I've been, I've had three relationships in my life, very long, many, many year relationships. I've been married all my life. Since 19, I've been married. And living with Jimmy is probably the most uh, exciting, wonderful, loving, because Jimmy's a kind, dear, affectionate, romantic man. And I'm happy as hell. What about you? Absolutely. I mean absolutely you could embellish that a little bit <laughs> No, <your> fucking <laughs> Now you know no, he's well, the anyway, now first of, all, he's the only right. one I ever married. Now I'm pissed off. <laughs> now I'm pissed off Linda you you lend me $3,500 to divorce him? <laughs> yeah.
1: So cute. Isn't he the cutest thing you've ever seen? So you guys, I'm going to read the back of the book real quick. Emerging from deep-rooted mental, physical, and emotional pain can be difficult. Thriving after after it can seem nearly impossible, but it's not. We can escape the destructive, hurtful emotions that seem as if they can swallow us whole, and convert that negative energy into the resiliency and fortitude needed to live life to the fullest. In "Nerves of Steel," which is the greatest title ever, by the way, what a great you know, with the way you you did it with your last name. Uh, First-time author Linda Steele takes the reader on a personal and emotional journey to show how she not only emerged from pain but transformed it into strength, power, compassion, and love. Through her story, she demonstrates that with time and persistent, tireless work, anything is possible. This book will inspire and empower the reader to be to be better, to do better and to live better. None of it is easy, but the best things in life never are. And uh,
2: and it sounds like this book can help you get out of a rut. So if you're in a relationship that's toxic or abusive, get the hell out. It's better to be alone than in bad company. We were taught.
3: That's what, that's what we find out after the fact but the problem is most people are afraid to get out of it a lot of people you could some people and this happened to me I got stuck in a relationship a couple times where I didn't think I could make it on my own. Number one, you become dependent on on somebody sometimes financially and that's the scary part because you get used to this lifestyle and you get used to you know having all these things and you realize this is not working for me this this mistreatment is is not good it, it, it doesn't outweigh the, you know, the good. So, or outweighs the good. So you, you think, oh my gosh, I can't, I don't want to be in this relationship. But at the same time, it's so scary getting out because you don't know, you don't know the unknown. And, um, and you know what you, a lot of times we become empaths and when you're an empath, you start making excuses for people's bad behavior and you start overlooking certain things and you start going, well, you know, not that, not that you blame yourself. Um, you know, some abusive women are like, Oh, I had that coming. I was never like that. I never thought I deserved it, but I always made excuses. Well, they had a bad childhood or they had a bad day at work or things are. I so. Really I, hate me-
2: that. I hate that.
3: Hmm? Mm-hmm. I really
2: hate that when people pull that stunt,
3: yeah. But it's, it's oh, not one, one relationship that I had to leave. I had three little kids and a brand new built home. And I, and I didn't want to move my kids out of their, out of their, you know, what was um, familiar to them. I tried to make it as, as painless as possible, but I wasn't even working at the time. How am I going to keep this big home and these three little kids? I don't even have a job yet. So, you know, I had a, I had to come up with a five-year plan to get out of my marriage and that was difficult. That was that five years seemed like a lifetime. Um, and then I had to leave a relationship again after that, and that took that took some time in planning as well. So it's not if, as you're, if you're
2: if you're treating or calling your ma- if you're treating your spouse as a meal ticket, never going to happen because mm-hmm. you're going to be miserable. You're never going to be. It's never going to work. It's never going to last mm-hmm. because treating them as a meal ticket is is using the person for their funds. And you have to give so much to that person that's not real. So yeah. you're living a lie and there's nothing more dreadful than living a lie.
3: For sure. You, you, you don't realize how unhappy, how much happier you can be, even without the lifestyle, even without the money and the gifts and, you know, it, it, that self-worth that you get back when you're not mistreated. Oh, my gosh, that there's you can't put a value on that. So it's hang, called, on, hang on,
4: peace of mind. So hang
1: on, real quick. We have a chat room that's filling up. Lots of your your fans are in there. So first of all, say hi to everybody in the chat room.
3: Hi, hi everybody. Thanks for being here.
1: So we have Serena Lynn. I, I, I'm gonna saying that I that I think you're gonna know these people. So, yep. so you can say hi afterwards. Kayla Goodwin. Yes. Um, and also, hold on. I think somebody said they're your mother. Maybe. What's your mom's name?
3: Barbara Biancolana.
1: Yeah, she's there too. Say hi to mom. Hi mom. Your daughter's not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's something you tell a mother. Isn't he stupid? Tell mother, your mother she's hot. But it's okay. I'm gay. I'm not hitting on her. I'm just no, saying she's hot. <laughs> a, mo- a mom wants to hear your daughter's a lady. Your daughter is a lady and she's,
3: she's beautiful and she's very
2: well And she's very well-raised. She
3: raised by a lovely person. My mom's my biggest cheerleader. I swear. She's so great. And she's been with me through thick and thin. I could tell that. Yeah. I think it's Terrific. So so, what
1: if what is what is the responses to the people from the book so far? I mean, now it's only been out what a week, right? Not even a week.
3: It's been out a week, and I'm telling you the the reaction I'm getting from this book I never even expected it. I'm getting long messages from people, DMs, emails, um, text messages from clients I haven't seen in years, and they're telling me even you know strangers are even telling me, um, Linda, oh my gosh, reading this book brought me back to my own childhood this was the relationship that I had with my father and it was this and it was that. And, and I can't believe, you know, that I'm not alone. I'm, I'm not that I want to see you go through that, but the fact that other people have gone through it when you feel so alone at the time, I had one, one woman, she sent me screenshots of pages of my book where she was highlighting, underlining and taking notes in the margins. She said this is such a self-help issue, such a situation for me. And I was, flattered and so honored and so humbled by the the reaction that i received i'm, I'm just blown away just so you guys away.
1: the book to it the book is available on amazon uh amazon.com again the name of the book is nerves of steel a memoir by linda steel it's got all five-star reviews on Amazon. I also saw you have a website. I don't know if they can get it off there, but can they go to nervesofsteel.net and get the book or no? Well,
3: if they go to nervesofsteel.net, I believe it it routes them into the Amazon link.
1: Okay, That's so the, the website yeah. is nervesofsteel.net, and then Linda's actual website for her physical fitness uh, it's really not just physical fitness though. Cause you teach people how to eat, you teach people how to do everything, but it's, uh, but that website is lindasteelhotbod.com, which I love. Mm-hmm.
3: And <laughs> we can get to it also lindasteelwellness.com.
1: Oh, see, I didn't even know that
3: one. <laughs> I'm rebranding and we're, we're doing some you know, new things. And so you can get to it either way.
2: lindasteelwellness.com. Now, I, I haven't read your book. So I'm assuming this you've written about, um, your childhood affecting your marriage, have Mm you? Is it in the book? Mm -hmm. I'd like to give you a little advice on that. When I think of things that my parents did to me that I didn't like, I would catch myself and not do it with my daughters.
0: Mm -hmm. As
2: goes with Jimmy, there are times I become my father who was a ruthless Italian, very strict, old fashioned. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I find myself falling into that pattern and I quickly say, no Ron. You didn't like it. He's not going to like it. So be honest with yourself, folks. And don't say, oh, my parents, I love them. I can't talk bad about them. Baloney, you could talk bad about your parents. If they sucked and they didn't do the right thing, admit it. Understand it. Just don't do it.
3: Right. That's true. You know, my my mom, she she read the book once. I had her go over it with me um, one time before I approved, uh, you know, last minute changes. And um, she was pretty upset about it. Um, she did not, um, she, you know, our brain purposely forgets a lot of this shit that goes on, you know, during rough times. It's, it's our own, you know, protective, you know, mechanism, coping mechanism that we have. And so my mom, you know, a lot of these things came to light and she purposely tried to forget them as well. And she felt really bad. And I tried explaining to her that she was in the same situation, the whole Premise of this book is people getting stuck in situations and not knowing what to do. My mom was in a situation out of survival. She didn't have the um, the tools that I had, being educated and being um, having you know a bigger support system. Her mom and dad didn't even live in the state. She didn't have a support system that I did that allowed me to be able to cut ties, leave, and move on. And the guilt that she carries because of that. It really, it, that was not what I intended on doing by writing this book. The, the purpose of this book was for people to see how many generations of people get stuck in situations. And one of the important things that I say in my book is, is leaving a, a, a toxic situation is not quitting. It's, it's survival. We're all, we're all just trying to survive. But the way she only, the way she knew how to survive was to stay she was looking for a good roof over my head. She didn't want to move me into an apartment or a section 8 or something. She, she you know, she just had a 9 to 5 regular job. And um, so I'm not trying to make excuses for her. I'm just trying to explain right. this whole point of my book. People get stuck like you like she did. And it doesn't yeah. make it it just makes makes her stuck. How, how do you
2: feel about people that say, "Well, I'm in a rotten marriage, but we stay together for the children."
3: Hate that. Hate that. Me too. The kids feel it. And the quicker you get out of it, the better. My parents divorced when I was two. I have no recollection of them being married. And you'll never hear me say boohoo because of my parents divorce. I'm, you know, a big fuck up. You'll never hear me say that. And, and, and I, it, the, I don't know. I mean, I'm no expert. I'm no therapist here, but I'm guessing it seems as though people I know who parents divorced sooner than later, they're more, they're better, you know, equipped.
1: Also, we want to say hi real quick. Casey's, Casey Casey Plot just joined us. I don't know. Do you know Do you know the Scene Snobs podcast? Anyway, no. so hey, Casey. Casey joined us. Ian Smith joined us. Um, somebody just, else joined man. us. A bunch of people just joined us. So we want to just say hi, everybody. This is Linda Steele. Her brand new book is called Nerves of Steel, a memoir. She's a fitness guru, eighteen plus years. Um and you can get the book at Amazon or lindasteelwellness.com or nurse of steel.net and you can find out about her as a uh as a workout. What do you call you? Cause you know what do you actually call it? fitness? You're not because it's not just fitness. So what do you call yourself?
3: I'm a fitness expert, um, well-being expert, nutrition expert, little bit of everything. I guess it all kind of has its so own it's you know, Linda Steele wellness is like the umbrella of fitness, um, nutrition and well-being.
1: Okay, so basically, anything to make your to, to take care of yourself, actually, to take care of your body. Which, by the way, like like one thing that we've done, like wrong. I'm, I'm gonna. Oh. I'm just,
2: don't do that. Okay. I'm, I have a way of doing that. Hang on. Honey. Okay, go. One word question, my darling. Yes. Sugar. Would you call me? Sugar. I'm not calling you sugar. I'm just using sugar. What about well, it? Well, you tell me what you think about sugar.
3: Well, there's different kinds of sugar. I mean, you know your body needs some carbohydrates you know are sugar, and you need it for energy. But there is certain if you're talking about like sweets and so forth, those are <clears throat> those are empty calories. those are those are the kind of sugars. They burn off quickly, but at the same time, those are the ones that are most detrimental to you. So um, right. I would try to get your sugar in the form of like fruits, vegetables, things like that. Try to stay the the other.
2: And I have given up all sugar. And I'm trying to get Jimmy to get off of toxic food, but he falls back and goes to all these awful. Uh, hamburger, it's hard to give it all. I lived on hamburger sugar. plates.
1: I used to drink two to four liters of Coke a day, so for me to cut it You're all gonna out is very, very difficult. Um, you know? Did you so- know
2: if you drink one glass of Coca-Cola a day for a year, you have consumed fifty pounds of sugar? That's a fact. It was on TV. <laughs> 50 pounds of sugar has gone through your bladder and your kidneys. So
1: we eat a lot. of We used to eat a lot of sugar. We've cut it, like, way, way down. Like, you know, I mean, I still eat fruits, fruits, and every once in a while. Like, once so, a week, sodas have are Sodas are the
2: worst thing that you could drink is soda.
1: But in the meantime, too, he's lost a bunch of weight, and I've lost a bunch of weight. Yeah, I like it. I think uh, I used to weigh 216, and now I weigh 180. Oh,
3: my gosh. Both of you look a little leaner than when I met you in L.A. Yeah. Definitely we're leaner than we were. Right now
2: I look fat. The shirt, no, I have a pillow behind my back. because <laughs> This chair hurts. It, I'm sitting in a chair that has a wooden back. that's um, all carved. And I think I have the carved back now imprint in my back, but I am thin.
1: You don't eat sugar though, right? Are, do you have a cheat? Do you take a cheat day or anything like, and have a cupcake or a piece of cake ever or no?
3: I do. As a matter of fact, I, I found myself having um, some chocolate every single day at the end of my day and i tried to cut that out myself and and there were a few things that i cut out and i, I w- was going for you know 30 45 days um, no alcohol which i rarely drink anyway but i wanted mm-hmm. to go to zero no alcohol no red meat no sugar you know the sweets and um and i made it you know like 2 weeks and then it was like i was celebrating something and i i wound up cheating and then i went another week or two and um I wound up at a situation where I was at a steakhouse and yes, I could have picked chicken. Yes, I could have picked fish, but I was at the steakhouse that I was you know, dying to go to for you know months. Finally, I wound up there. So I had steak again. So I haven't actually completed 30 days, <laughs> this, you know, giving up stuff, but I just think it's great for, um, for inflammation. It's great for, you know, to get your body back into a balance. You want to get your body into a balance. So it starts, um, so it starts functioning properly. You know, we we become we start becoming uh, becoming dependent on those sugars that that we really don't want. And you want your body to start running uh, properly. And like I said, the inflammation that's like a big buzzword right now, but it's real. It's real. And you, you it's amazing how much better you start to feel when you start cutting out these certain things. Okay, so I
2: really feel better. We have more energy. We sleep better. Yeah, uh, my, my thinking is better now. Oh, yeah. If I- Rid of this Meryl Streep wig look from Devil Wears Prada. (laughs) I mean, I look like Meryl Streep in Devil uh, Wears Prada. But I want to ask a question. So I
1: look like how much? How much? You know how like when you go to the doctor, they give you your body mass index. Like mine was like twenty eight percent. The doctor basically told me like I was obese, and like I don't see myself as obese. When I go to Walmart, I see obese. (laughs) <laughs> but you know, you know like but like they're telling me, you know, like at 28% it's like way too high and I need to get it down so I need to lose I'm supposed to I weigh 180 and they want me to weigh like between 170 and 175. So I'm working on it because I was 216. It's but belly like belly fat, wait, but how much fat. how much like body? cuz like I've seen like what you look like in workout clothes. Like how much body fat like or what's your BMI or whatever? Like do you have a lot of body fat? Um
3: I'm first of all I'm not a big fan of BMI. Um, okay, the- good. Doctors' offices—they had to come up with some kind of formula, and they do it by your height versus weight, and they say, "Boom, this is what your BMI is." And it's not fair because I know a lot of shorter people who are just enormous. They work out like crazy, and they're eating right, and they're lean, lean, lean. But because of their weight versus their height, because it's off a little bit, they come out as obese, and and they're oh, okay calipers on them, they wind up with like 7% body fat. So it's ridiculous that BMI don't worry about that. Don't pay attention to that. It's a good guideline for someone who, who doesn't really go to the gym and they don't really work out. It's a guideline, but for somebody like you, I wouldn't worry about that. If I were you, I'd go to a gym, uh, just at your local gym and ask if somebody can give you a, a body fat test with calipers. Um, I usually try, I try to keep mine if I'm heading up to a, a photo shoot, I try to p- keep mine at about 11 12%. That's fairly low um, to maintain all year round. So all year round, I'm more like 15 to 19%. That's what I try to keep it.
2: Oh, wow. How, how do you get rid of belly fat?
3: Um, I, I track my food. I, I make sure that I'm eating a 40-40-20 split with my, with my food. I work out three times a week starting with 20 minutes of rigorous cardio, 10 minutes of abs, and about 45 minutes to an hour of weightlifting. My, my workout uh, program is based on a three-day-a-week split, biceps and triceps one day, shoulder back, chest one day, leg one day. And I give my body those body parts an entire week to rest, recover, and build before I hit them again.
2: I love that. What's your advice for me? I'm 82 <laughs> years old. I'll be 83 soon. What should a person my age do to exercise?
3: I would do the same program that I teach all of my clients. I would, I would let, lighten up on the weights. I would work some um, extra stability for you. I would have you do things, you know, like your bicep curls would be a lighter weight, but you'd be standing on a BOSU ball doing it to make sure that we get your stabilizers set. You know, when, when we, as we start to age, we start to lose our balance a little bit, and we start falling and breaking things. So um, my, my entire goal with you would be just to keep you safe and, and salvage your joints. So I go easy on the weights, higher on the reps, throw in some bosu balls, some stable, you know, stabilizer exercises. That's what I do for you. I, the you're, diet.
2: A, you're a believer in people my age exercising.
3: Oh yes, absolutely. I train clients into their 80s. I I mean that it would be silly for you to stop now. You feel like shit. You start to you stop using things, you start hurting. So you yeah. want to keep moving. You wanna keep moving. But range of motion is so very important. There's an old okay. saying, use it or lose it. Yes. Absolutely. So I want,
0: back, I want to go
1: back to the book. You guys, again, the book is called Nurses Steel. So you have, I think, what, three kids? you have three kids or do you have my more
2: than three?
3: daughters, one of them is listening now. That's my Kayla Goodwin. Oh, and, hey, uh, okay. Hey, Kayla.
2: <laughs> you so are so gorgeous on this know. cover. Yeah. You look like a movie star on this cover. I um, mean, sweet. you are. This is a beautiful picture.
1: of. So, so I want to know. You. So what did your kids think of yeah, the book everybody. and how are and how is your relationship with your you know kids based on everything that you learned growing up in the in the trials and tribulations you went through? Like, how is everything with your kids and what do they think of the book?
3: Uh, my relationship with my daughters is phenomenal. Um, I'm a mom when I need to be a mom. I'm a friend when I need to be a friend. Uh, I get great feedback from them. They are uh, only one of them read the book through. She's the one who's watching. Uh, there were some parts that she chose not to read. Um, I did the best I could not making their father look too bad. Uh, because, um, you know, he was also young when we got married and and his behavior was, um, he was acting like a 24 year old behaved. It just so happened that this particular 24 year old had a family to support. So, um, so it was unacceptable. <clears throat> but uh, so i did the best i could not making their dad look bad and by the way <clears throat> he has made up for a lot of lost time he and i are, are actually friends now and um right. yeah and it's amazing because you wouldn't you wouldn't know that by that book right right I thought i would have drowned him by now but i didn't i <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. He is, he's just one of those guys that he walks in the room and, and, you know, people like him. So, um, and he's, he's the father of my daughter. So out of respect for my daughters, uh, out of respect for me, he and I get along. And, um, but my daughter had a hard time. She realized she sent me a text and she said, all I have to say is, wow. Uh, she said, I knew a lot of this, but I didn't realize how badly it affected you. And, um, and she said, and I, I just can't imagine had you not made the decisions that you made during this time of your life, where we would be today. She said, I, I, just, you know, I respected you before I respect you more now. I, you know, she said, wow is all I can say.
1: We also have some, uh, Serena Lynn joined us and Jan Axford who wrote Lynn's is even more beautiful on the inside, which is a beautiful uh, thing to say. That's nice. And it's yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, and I Jan, think
3: that Jan was one of my first friends I, I met. Um, when we moved to Wheeling, and she experienced my, enchi- my entire childhood with me. Jan's actually in the book.
1: Yeah, I thought that, I thought she sounded familiar because I just read this not that long ago.
3: Yeah. Um, um, so I. So how how long did it take to write this book? Took me three years. Oh wow! It, okay. it, it doesn't seem like it should have taught, took me that long. Uh, taken me that long. The reason it took that long is because you can see how emotional it was. Yes. What happens is you get yourself. You you think okay. I have nothing to do this weekend. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write this book. You start writing and it brings you to this place where you, your brain purposely made you. Dumb, <laughs> right. And now you're finding yourself back in this awful place. You're like, Oh, I don't like it here. So you write what you can, you put it away. And even if you were free the next night, you think, you know what? I don't really want to go back there. I actually kind of like the mood I'm in now. I don't want to go back there. Yeah. So I just kept putting it off, putting it off. I liked where I was. And it just, it just took me a long time. It took me a long time to take it all in and, and remember all those awful things. And
2: yeah, so I'm, me- I'm, I'm, I'm presently writing a book and it's titled A Little of This and A Little of That About Hollywood. It's my relationship with all the celebrities that I've known <clears throat> and growing up from 19 to where I am today. And I was married for 16 years. And in writing my book, I thought, oh, my God, were you a sucker, a schmuck, an idiot. For 16 years, you were pursuing your wife, begging her to love you, because she was a cold bitch. She was, no, she was a frozen stone. She gave up her kids and never saw them until she died. So to her, she was really a horrible woman, but lovely. I mean, a nice person, but just cold. Didn't care about me or her children or her family, her mother, anyone. And in reading that, I said to myself, you know, Ron, you were in that marriage 16 years too long. Had nothing with me being a bisexual man. Nothing at all. My People think, oh, you got divorced because she found out you were gay. No, we talked about it. She knew I liked both. But it was her. So I advise you guys out there, if you have to constantly adore, worship, give, guess what? It gets tiring. Mm-hmm. Stop. Because you say, I can't give you anymore. I've given you my all and you're not getting it back. And I loved my wife very much and that's why I was always being her fan, let's put it that way.
3: Yeah, you you can't you can't make somebody want to be with you. I found myself doing that myself. Uh, that first relationship that I was in, I I tried to make him want to come home. I tried to make him want it. I I realized I I can't make you want to be with me. And and once you finally come to that realization, it becomes a lot easier, but you have to you have to No one can tell you. You have to know when it's time yourself.
2: I think she was content being with me because we owned a beautiful house with a swimming pool and beautiful cars. And she had lovely jewelry, furs and dresses. Mm -hmm. So I think her life was good. At one point, I said to her, Joanne, don't you miss anything about our marriage? And she said, I miss my clothes. Oh. Oh, because clothes are so expensive now. That's the kind of woman. She was a beauty. She was a model. She was a Dutch girl. Very beautiful. Um showed me a picture of her when I went
0: gorgeous,
2: gorgeous. Beautiful figure.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: but But. That's basically
1: the same thing that she was saying. Yeah, too, but at the this, beginning. My,
2: my wife had an argument with her mother and didn't talk to her mother until she died. She fought with her brother and never spoke with him. She hated my mother because my mother called her and knew what she was. My mother called her an alley cat. She said, no, you're an alley cat because you had two daughters and you don't give a damn about them. You're going to walk away? Because yeah. she let me have, I raised my daughters. She didn't want them. I remember She signed the paper at the lawyer's office saying, because so I said, listen, Joanne, I'm moving back to California for work and I need your permission to take the kids out of state. And my lawyer said, well, just make her sign them over to you. Then you can do whatever you want. And she clicked the pen without even reading it and signed it. Oh, no, she was a piece of work. I hate talking about it because my kids might see this show, which I doubt. <laughs> um, but I've never been one of the pa- I've never been a parent that talked bad about the other because it would only damage and hurt my kids.
3: Well, that's the whole purpose why we don't. But, you know, they do figure it out eventually. Usually, you know, if parents can actually keep their mouths shut long enough about, you know, the, the significant other um, or the ex significant other, the kids always figure it out it's just very difficult for us because a lot of times we get thrown under the bus. There are plenty of times that my kids would come to me with something and I would be enraged because whatever it was that was said about me wasn't true. And I, you know, as much as I wanted to fight back, I would hold my tongue, but there were times I fought back and I'm sorry that I did. I wish I hadn't done it because eventually everybody figures everybody out anyway. You know, I'm not perfect either. Uh, their father wasn't perfect. Nobody's perfect, but you know, if, if you, if parents, just if you're listening, if you could just keep your mouth shut long enough, don't worry. The kids figure everything out. It's it's so
1: it's kids yeah. really kids are so much smarter now, too. My, I my think da- they grow da- up so much quicker. My, my
2: daughter Deirdre, was on. I think Phil Donahue was. Mm-hmm. I forgot what show she was on, and it was about uh, parents that abandoned their children. Mm. And, my, and my daughter was. She's a wonderful speaker. She's an actress as well. And Deirdre said. I consider my mother a birth canal that's all. Wow. And that's- then she went on to discuss more about it. Um both my children never felt loved by her. They never I took them shopping for their Easter clothing. I bought them all their whatever they needed. She just was a woman that was self-contained. Mm-hmm. And you know it, and,
3: and who knows what her childhood was like? You know I know, and, uh, uh, we,
2: the, like, barmaid
1: because yeah, we got like two minutes my so uh, mother
2: it. was a barmaid who brought men home and slept with them and my wife had to see that i suspect that my wa- my mother-in-law got drunk and one of those men uh molested my wife oh, she- she- i think she was molested at 14 did, or 13 did
1: your kids follow are they like following in your like do they fo- <clears throat> do they do fitness stuff like you do mm-hmm. any of them
3: um, they're all certified. Um, one of them actually works out regularly. The other two, they're so deep into their careers right now that, that they have kind of put the, the workout portion of their lives on the back burner. I'm hoping they get back into it because it's important to stay healthy. But uh, at one point, all of them were very fit. Now, one of them works out regularly. The other two, they're into their career right now. So, How, so what are the age ranges of your children? My twins are 20. They're going to be 28 years old and my little one's 25. Jesus, you look 20 years old. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you don't look
1: anywhere. I mean, it's you know, like you I, had a kid at 10. I, when my, when <laughs> my
2: daughter Leslie was 16, Leslie it looks beautiful as a mother. She looked very adult, Grace Kelly looking. We traveled all through Europe. And we were in Italy. And we went up to our room, and it's one bed. And I said, Leslie, this is wrong. We went back to the desk, and I, I speak Italian. I said to him, signora, you made a mistake here. He said, no. And he looked at the passports. He said, Your name and her name are the same, aren't you? Husband and wife. I said, No, this is my daughter. I'm 45. My daughter's 16. So we had that problem throughout Europe. People thought we were husband and wife because the same passports. Yeah. Now, if you have a if you had a son. Uh, 28, and you went out. She with got him. all daughters, though. No, but I think if you had a son, they would have thought. That yeah, they was would think husband. the same
1: thing. <clears throat> Hold on, because we've only got a minute. You look very young.
2: You don't look. How old are you? Are not going to tell me? No, but I can add it up. How I, old? 52. 52. God bless you. You don't look. You're going to be like me. You're going to be an old bag like me, looking good. A good looking old bag, I call myself. So, you
1: guys, Linda Steele, you can follow her on Instagram. It's Linda Steele Fitbod. You can go and get the book on Amazon. It's called Nerves of Steel, or you can go to nervesofsteel.net or dot wellness.com. Just make sure you know that Steele is S-T-E-E-L-E. Um, you can also see her on movie reviews and more on Tuesday nights with Brian Sebastian. And this is what the book looks like. Let's go get it. Let's get it to be a, a, a bestseller, like selling like 100,000 or 200,000 copies because everybody needs to read the book. It's really a great book. Um, congratulations on writing it and all the, the that you have overcome to become the fabulous person you are today. And there are
2: so many people out there who are going to need to read this book because they're in a jam. And if you're yes. in a jam and you don't know what to do, yes. read this book. It might give you the strength. I appreciate that. Or the way out. Get yeah. out of that friggin' marriage if it stinks. Life it is beautiful outside. Would
3: you like to have a healthy relationship. I'm in a healthy relationship right now because I, I took some steps steps to get there, and that information's in the book as well. Yay! All right, I'm in a, so I'm in a we good relationship because go we're out of time.
2: I beat him up every morning for one hour. I punch <laughs> him all over, and I tell him I'm the boss.
1: Oh, <laughs> thank you so much. Congratulations, thank you, Linda. You're Love wonderful, you. You're fabulous. Thanks and everybody we'll, for tuning we'll in. We'll see
2: you. We'll see you again soon. soon. Okay. Talk to you. Bye bye. Hi everybody Bye thanks Holland. chat room thanks everybody. everybody thank you
1: Juan we'll see you guys next week thanks and i really don't so.
2: and i really don't beat him up
1: <laughs> <laughs> good night goodbye everybody, Bye, good night. everybody. Can
0: try not to get yeah we in a mix So...